Okay, chapter 14, second Samuel. And we just said that um, Absalom, after having been responsible for the death of his brother, um, he uh, had to run away from his own father, David. He had killed, or caused the death of his half-brother Amnon because he had raped uh, Tamar, uh, their half-sister. So what I wanted to um, clear up, uh, and I kind of repeated that for a particular reason, but uh, what I wanted to share a little bit of is that, and if you've been reading ahead, you probably saw it, telling stories to make a point is um, a prevalent thing in many societies. And we see it often enough, uh, at least a few times in the Bible. And uh, if we are not, uh, if we're not of that, you know, of that um, custom, it definitely will seem strange to us. And it might be a little confusing because it seemed like a person just making up a story and kind of, you know, a little touchy here. But it is something quite legitimate, if you want to use it, uh, in the custom of, of, of many people. And so um, we can't think about it as a made-up story. Because Joab, chapter 14, of Second Samuel, he's a nephew. He is a nephew of David, uh, David's sister's son. He um, realized that King David was sad, and he was longing to see uh, Absalom. So he approached a woman, and she was supposed to be a wise woman, and that woman went and spoke to David and told him this, you know, we say story, uh, but it's, you know, it's like I said, it's essentially something different. <laughs> uh, not exactly a parable, but it kind of served the same purpose. Uh, and um, said, you know, well, you know, if such and such, and I quote to read some of it to you, uh, she bowed her face to the ground in deep respect and cried out, Oh, King, help me. What is the trouble? David asked. I'm a widow, 
My husband is dead. My two sons had a fight out in the field. And since there was no one to stop it, one was killed. Now the rest of the family is demanding, let us have your son. We will execute him for murdering his brother. He doesn't deserve to inherit the family's property. They want to extinguish the only coal I have left, and my husband's name and family will disappear from the face of the earth. Leave it to me, uh, David told her, go home and I'll see that no one touches him. Oh, thank you, my lord, the, the king, the woman said. Uh, if you are criticized for helping me, let the, let the blame fall on me and on my father's house. And let the king in, and his throne be innocent. If anyone objects to King said, bring him to me, I can assure you he will never never harm you again. Then she says, Please swear to me by the Lord your God that you won't let anyone take vengeance against my son. I want no more bloodshed. As surely the Lord lives, he replied. Now the hair on your son's head will be disturbed. Please allow me to ask one more thing of my lord, the king, she said. Go ahead and speak. She replied, why don't do you do as much for the people of God as you have promised to do for me? You have convicted yourself in making this decision because you have refused to bring home your own banished son. All of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not sweep life away. Instead, He devises way to bring us back when we have been separated from him. I have come and plead with my Lord, the king, because people have threatened me. I said to myself, perhaps the king will listen to me and recue us from those who would cut us off from the inheritance God has given us. Yes, my Lord, the King, the King will give us peace and mind of peace of mind again, and know that you, like an angel of God, in discerning good from evil, may the Lord your God be with you. So. You see the plot of the story, the intention of the story, and I I tried to make it clear that this is just a way of speaking. This is a way of bringing truth to a situation. 
it is done in many in many ethnic groups in many places in many countries uh, it's not considered a story the way how we consider the story most times it is somewhat related to what is called what we call a parable <laughs> although there's so many different kinds of parables but the main thing is bringing out the truth convicting someone of a truth and actually having the person convict their own self by the way they respond so obviously david is convicted he's convinced but keep a couple of things in mind first of all david wanted to bring absalom back home in the first place uh but the storytelling you know did did push him to that point consciously um David, like I said, on many, many occasions, is very astute, very smart, very much with it. That's why in verse 19, he asks the woman, did Joab put you up to this? And of course, she had to admit, yes, it was Joab who... Uh, ask me to come to you. <laughs> but she's still saying, but you are wise as an angel of God, and you understand everything that happens among us. So I didn't, you know, in all words, I paraphrase, I wasn't for one minute thinking I was really fooling you. I, you know, I, but I brought the message to you and knowing that you would make a decision on it. So David sent for Joab, his nephew, and he told him, all right, go and bring back the young man Absalom. And of course, he did that. I want you to continue reading because there's a lot of interaction that's going to happen with Joab and with Absalom to come. Like I told you, we'll be dealing with this for a few weeks. But let us kind of go over what's happening. David, I've said this so many times before, was not a person that held grudges. David is very human. And some might say, and some do say, you know, he, sometimes he's a little slow to act. Sometimes he seems indecisive, indecisive. He's not. He's not. Out of rage, he could have killed Absalom. Uh, but here now you would have two people with prospect for, and that was part of the, the story, part, one of the points in the story. 
you would have two people who were, you know, apparently capable of, of succeeding uh, David. One was actually the crown princess, we will call them today. Um, that was, that Absalom, Absalom took revenge on Abnon. And the other one was Absalom himself. So David didn't act in haste because he's considering all of this. But what he did, was it right? Was it obviously <laughs> it wasn't right? Did he did it did he did he do it out of passion? That, you know, David can understand passion because David was a very passionate person. David was also a very patient person, very perceptive. And he kept his enemies close as we talk about that many times. And we've said also many times that David was no one's, nobody's fool. Pretty much kind of understood people, their strength, their weaknesses, just like himself. And, but always looking for the greater good in something, out of the worst of someone, whether it be Saul or whoever, it's always uh being optimistic so to speak how can this be resolved how can this be res redeemed what is the penalty what is the punishment and of course that would make a good king so because the kings in those days actually were judges also how is the best way to deal with a horrible situation, a horrible person, or even a horrible people. And so as we work through the life of David, you see that come up over and over. And while we may not agree with it, and certainly we may not have done it David's way. And uh, like the, the woman said, but you can't bring back the dead and God is interesting interested in the living how do we deal with living things in spite of the fact that they may have been terrible terrible in the wrong in many instances. How does God deal with us? <laughs> Is it tit for tat that he deal with us? Otherwise we have been this great trouble. That's why we speak so often about God's mercy. We don't get what we deserve. And David in the long run was exhibiting, if you want to coin this phrase, divine justice and mercy. How can we deal or, or be brave 
in situations where the, what we decide uh, would get people angry at us, or, you know, particularly if it has to deal with family. Ay, ay, How do we decide what is the most merciful ways that we can deal with a situation? And as I said before, knowing that it's going to displease a whole lot of people. And what if, and what if the people that we have mercy on don't have mercy on ours or even turn against us? Should we say, I'll never show mercy because that person may eventually try to get me? Oh, Jesus gives us all those answers, right? And really, really challenges us to love people regardless. And you can see how the teaching of Jesus comes out so much over and over in the Old Testament and right here in this very story. Because Absalom, he's going to turn out, as you've been reading ahead, to be a mess. Uh, so how do we show and exhibit and practice the love of God, even though we know that the person that we show mercy to may turn against us. Not trying to stump anyone or not trying to, you know, uh, I, I just want us to, I guess I'll close with this. I just want us to try to get a glimpse of the height and the depth and the width of God's mercy. And how, if he dealt with us tit for tat, we wouldn't stand a chance. As a matter of fact, we will be struck dead by God a long, long time ago without any possibility of redemption. So if there was one iota possibility, even though I'm sure David suspected Absalom was going to be a horrible person. If there was one tiny, itty, bitty chance that he could be redeemed. And that's what God does for us out of his love. Everybody can be redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And that's one of the lessons that comes out of this study tonight. The encompassing mercy of God. And as the Bible like to use the refrain, 
that lasts forever. It lasts forever because it 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 transcends the worst of us. <clears throat> it goes beyond who we are. God love is so encompassing and his mercy is very complete. Amen. Thank you. I wanted to stop there tonight and try to chew on this and, and uh, 